Well, hello, and thank you for coming back to the A to Z podcast. Happy 2022. I'm Zach Jackson. He's Andre Knott. We're at facebook.com slash A to Z podcast. Shouts, as always, to Blue Wire, to American Fireworks, our longtime friends in Hudson, Cleveland sports fans just like you guys. Um, always open at AmericanFireworks.com. Another December in Berea has come and passed. We've taken a few weeks off for uh, life reasons, for unforeseen things, for whatever. It's a new year, Dre. It's not a new us. We're two fat kids from Akron, and we're here to talk a little ball and mix in, hopefully, a couple chuckles. Yeah, we need some chuckles, man. Happy New Year to you and everybody else out there. Um, as you said, life's just been life uh, over the last – and, like, for everybody else. Like, you know, like, that's the one thing that I would say over, like, just the last month, month and a half. Like, not that we would never say this, but we're humans, too. We go through crap, too. And I think everybody has. And it's hard, it's hard to feel bad for yourself because you can make a text tweet, and we've all gone through some stuff. I know you've lost some, some uh, people that were close to you uh, in different ways. It's just uh, it's how we're starting 2022, and the Browns are still the Browns. Or well, How did they say it? Browns be the Browns? The Browns is the Browns. The Browns is the Browns. Juju Smith. Juju. And it's unfortunate, but it's, it's kind of like the realization of – you know, where we're at in life. Um, and I will say this, and I know it'll come back and haunt me. Because uh, we don't want to just – we, we got plenty of time to talk Browns. And somebody that the tweet of the week, the tweet of the month, for me, Zach, has to be whoever tweeted us during the Browns-Steelers game. Baker Mayfield has been so bad that it stopped Andre and Zach from doing <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> Yes, correct. Good observation. <laughs> I mean, what do you want us to say? I, and I'll, I'll speak for myself. It's Zach's job. Um, Zach's got to write about it. Zach's amongst it. He's in it. Um, I just don't. I don't. To be honest with you, I'm. I'm. I got no fight left in me in that conversation, especially with how people want to fight about it. And it's not fair for me to put Zach in the situation that it puts him in if, if I constantly have to beat him over the head or he has to beat me over the head with it. Um, because the fun thing about this podcast is we usually have fun. I think most people know where we stand. We don't have to do a victory lap. Uh, those are our least favorite people. But the writing's been on the wall for a long time. Yeah, it has. And it's not all his fault. No one would say that, Mm-mm. right? Um, the injury most certainly limited him. But what you saw a year ago in offense that – attacked you in multiple ways and kept you guessing and, you know, could do both things and and could hit guys on short passes and get them running, right. And get you to respect the pass enough to open up a darn good run game. It just, it never got to that level. And they probably did get too pass happy. There's probably circumstances for that, but this is, as we've constantly said, the national football league, you have to complete passes and he's either not seeing or not able to see guys open He's not hitting guys that are open, and the result is an offense that struggled to score 17 points. Um, all year. All year. All yeah. year. All right. and, and the injuries are part of it, and no one will go against that, but they keep putting you out there to play, and you keep going out there to play. Like You can only judge that for so long um, because at the end of the day, the people that yell and scream that, I, I go, okay, his decision-making has been crap for two months as well. And that has nothing to do with injuries. And I get how people want to fight tooth and nail for him because, well, he's the only quarterback to lead you to the playoffs since 04 or whatever else. Well, great. 
We can get a mustard for him, and, but it doesn't mean that it's been good enough. <laughs> get him his own mustard. Get him his own mustard, and we can <laughs> All right. go down to Tennessee in 10 years and have a great I, conversation with him and Kelly Holcomb. I, I have one Browns question. You guys know um, we, we've always kept it real, and it's a very hard league. It's a very, very hard league. Um, you know, although I had my reservations about the big, big stage, I picked this team to win the division. And I still believe they're the most talented team in the division. The Bengals may have changed that. We'll see. I would disagree with that, but I'll okay. get you. But Dre was pretty adamant all along that he he was not buying the expectation. So I just want, you know, now that you were right, and again, not, not a victory lap, but Dre, was it more that the talent wasn't to you what you thought it was, or you thought they weren't ready for the big uh, stage? You, ha- you have to pick one for this answer. Okay. Um, they weren't ready for the big stage. Um, and, and, and I'm glad you're saying it this way because it's not a victory lap. And the thing I keep trying to say, though, is they're not that far away. And the freak out has to be, it has to be chilled. And this is what I – and you know it. If you go back and listen to us in August, I was screaming, be cool. And you kept saying most talented roster, most talented roster, and not only you. And I never disagreed with talent. But the thing we have to learn is that just being talented and told you're talented is not enough. They never gelled. Um, they never, for whatever reason, and there's multiple reasons, there's multiple fingers to be pointed. The off, I never liked, and you laughed at me when I said it in, you know, in, in mid-September, I didn't like the way that they went around about uh, training camp, how they didn't play in the, and I get it. We were all, you know, we, it goes back to, this is like 07, 08, all over again. We just want to get to the first game healthy. We just want to get to the first game healthy. But you never generated anything that had any kind of rhythm. Like, you know, and defensively, once they played together, they came together. Um, that's why I, I keep saying they're, they're three or four really hard moves away from being in the playoffs next year and being a team that can win playoff games. And they're three or four moves away from going right back to where they've always been. This offseason, and I think the expectations from everyone, it's not just the fans in Parma or, or, or the east side, west side, Akron, wherever, the expectations of ownership, they have to – they have to understand how it really works. This isn't a video game. It's not your fantasy football team. Um, they have kind of pushed certain things upon people and things that weren't ready for it. Every day, you made a great point last season, and you said this respectfully, and I don't think a lot of people really took it in, but I did because I knew you were saying it because I know you've been around a lot of seasons and close to it. You kept saying how everything turned up roses for them, Right. Like, whatever they saw, certain teams came to Cleveland. And I'm not making excuses you, because good teams write it out. When New England was in Buffalo and, it was, and the wind was 40 miles, miles an hour, 50 miles an hour, Bill Belichick went out and won that game this year by running it down the Bills' throat and keeping the ball away from Josh Allen. When weather was normal, the Bills went to New England and kicked the crap out of them. So Bill took advantage of a situation because that's what good teams do. The Browns took advantage of everything they could in 2020. And it was awesome, right? I mean, and that was – and this year, they had a lot of problems dealing with the obstacles. Um, I think it's a little bit of a maturity thing. I don't care about the most talented team. And I said that in August, and I'm saying it in January. Um, the most talented team is in Ohio, but I think it's down in Cincinnati, by the way. Um, yeah, but look at I mean, and I'll say this. Look at Baltimore and Pittsburgh. There's no way in the world you can look at their rosters and look at the Browns roster, and they should have a record near the same. But wherever their organizations are built on and who they are, they play the same style that's, game that's and they play with the pride. So right. That's so right. And, um, you know, as I've been saying, playoff teams complete passes and make kicks, and the Bengals do that. Right. <laughs> the right. Don't. 
right? Like, yeah. it's it, I, I'm not going to sit here and dwell on Baker's two and fourteen record, the ball in his hands in a tie game, or or losing in the last three minutes. But like, guys, there there's no free agent move or draft pick out there that's suddenly going to allow you to win 70% of the games in the NFL by 17 points. It's always going to come down to a couple plays. Like Jerry said, it's always going to come down to managing the circumstances. And last year they did. The Steelers snapped the ball 30 yards over fucking Ben's head, and in a playoff game he couldn't be bothered to pick it up. Right. Right? Right. (laughs) And and I'm glad you said that because this is the other problem I have with everybody that wants to yell and scream for Baker. The best wins you guys scream at me about were great team wins where Ben didn't pick the ball up. They got great momentum early, a couple turnovers, and he wrote it out. Their best win this season against the Bengals, Denzel Ward makes the play of the year um, and because after they were driven the ball down their throat, he returns that ball 99 yards, momentum swings the Browns way, and you get – I hate calling him a front runner, but a lot of his success has been when everything else has gone perfectly for the team. No, there's no doubt. Um, I think what's most maddening, and this is regardless of you just watch or if you have a side in this whole argument, is last year you could safely say, and some people took this as an insult to Baker, that Kevin's the best thing that ever happened to him, right? What mm-hmm. you saw an offense that fit him, you saw a coach and quarterback that got on the same page once they got to the back half of that season, right? They weren't asking him to do too much. They went and got him tackles. They went and got the best running game in the league, and it was there. And so what's so maddening this year is they never got on the same page. He kept right. playing the guy. He clearly was hurt. He kept asking the guy to throw. He's missing guys by seven fucking yards. Oh. Right? Oh, like, oh. I mean, guys, we're not talking about – we did not go from outstanding quarterback play to average quarterback play. Right? Right. There right. was not one game or one and a half games where it was bad. Four games, including one they won in Minnesota, he played as poorly as an NFL quarterback could ever play. He did. Amen. Amen. Four, and, quarter, that, four times. That's a quarter of the year. Right. And, and that's, that is an issue that has to – and here – and I, know, and I know you may be on the other side of this. And I hear everybody, I'm not as down on Stefanski as everyone else. Is he perfect? No. Does he have a lot on his table, on his plate? Yes. Has that, is that what he asked for? Yes. Could play plans be a little bit better? Has he countered back very well at times, uh, especially when we see the success he has in first drives? Does he throw too much at times? Sure. I just can't sit here, though, and rail upon him when I can look at – and I'm not trying to Odell Beckham Sr. this. There are too many plays where guys are open and the scheme works and the ball's not getting out. There's too many plays where there's multiple guys open and the decision-making is awful. And at this point in a career of a quarterback, you can't make the decisions that are made sometimes. Now, what happened this past Monday night, I would love to get – I would love to be – I would love to be inside the building. Because it did at times come off as a little bit – I don't want to, I want to use the right word. It came off a little uh, like, like, if you're going to make me play this guy and, and you want me to come here and win, I'm going to show you why I can't. It, it, like, it was, it, was, it was blasphemy at times on, on Monday. And I don't know all the ins and outs. I don't know the, the absolute truths. But I know what it looked like on telev- <laughs> television. And I know what it sounded like when he went by, when he started speaking. Um, and when the coach said, and I don't disagree with the coach, Zach, when he says, sometimes the ball's supposed to get out. 
And that's an, and that was the most harsh thing he's ever said to me about Baker. Yeah. The ball needs to get there's plays when you go empty, empty sets are not meant to be five step drops waiting it like those are three step fives and the ball comes out and for whatever reason it doesn't come out mm-hmm. right um and yes he, he he just lost trust in himself right yes he, he just did um i wrote many many weeks ago and we discussed it here he, he, he can't possibly this is on the coach at this point because that can't possibly be the best option for the team no and then the gm comes and says he's healthy and baker said i'm himself he's healthier we expect him to play his best. He didn't. Why did Andrew Barry say that, guys? For the same reason that Andrew Barry didn't extend him last summer, even at a yeah. team discount, even to get ahead of the curve and continue all the good vibes. Yeah. Because he knows he's not good enough and they're going to go find a better option. So yeah. that part's not going to be easy. And we got many months to dissect it and argue about it and see how it goes. Um, yeah. You know, the one thing you, uh, I remember like, I don't know, two months ago or three months ago, I was, I wasn't mad at you, but I was kind of like, why do we got to make this part of the conversation every time after every game? Mm-hmm. Remember you saying that too? And you were like, because this is what it's about. Yeah. And you were dead on. I hated it all year long. It took away from the fun of the season. It took away from the, 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 well, there was no fun this season, Dre. You no. got sent to your room without right. dinner, like, <laughs> like, like 11 days in a row. <laughs> right, right, right. right. <laughs> You're right. Straight home from detention, straight to the room. Like, that's where you went. <laughs> but that's a damn shame. It's a damn shame, though, in a year like this that was so exciting, that was so exciting in August, July, uh, that you're right. By September, it was, this was not a fun season. Yeah. That's a shame. You know, I'm not going to speak for ownership. Um, ownership is like the fan base in one regard, right? They're constant. Yep. No, nothing else has been constant in this organization, right? Joe Thomas and Phil Dawson even have been gone for years, right? So this makes twice in three years that it's been a total flop, right? This makes twice in three years that the quarterback let you down. Different circumstances, but quarterback right. played shitty. Twice right. in three years that everybody was ready to say the same old Browns are buried, and now what are we doing? We're December and Berea dysfunctioning, right? Because right. the, the quarterback's saying, it's, I'm gonna sh- I don't know if I'm going to shut it down. I'm going to talk to my agent. And I'm going to talk to my family. He doesn't mention the team. He says that we don't we don't give our rookie tackle some help, right? Like that was wrong, man. You don't do that. <laughs> like that's just that's just one on one. You don't do that. Like it's just you don't. All right, so we're going to get back to the Browns at the end of this podcast. But I want to talk. We we just like I said, it's been two and a half, three weeks. I think right. and we've we've been in touch, but frankly, not a lot. I was away for Christmas for a couple of days, and <clears throat> that's when I dealt with the loss of my friend. And Dre was called up um, to serve for the Cavs for what did it end up being six six weeks or something six weeks two almost two months almost it yeah, was uh, that, that I, ended the other night correct yeah so um, I, I I don't mean to do it like this in a, in a negative fashion but I I want to start the Cavs discussion this way um, okay. I think everybody's excited and good vibes about the Cavs and just just getting back a little bit in the relevance of the everyday person here was a huge step for them right yes um, but I. I just think Ricky Rubio is a devastating loss and you're a lot closer to it than I am. Yeah. So am I right on that? Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. It's devastating. Probably it's devastating for two reasons. Number one, you never in a hundred years thought back in October or November or even September that on January 5th, you'd be talking about Ricky Rubio and his important and his importance to the Cavs. Right. It came out of nowhere. Um, it's, it's devastating, but let me say this, and I truly mean this, and I've been close to – this is going to be a weird situation for me talking about him because 
Uh, I'm a big fan of theirs. J.B. Bickerstaff is made for this job. And I think them being able to go for Rondo the way they've gone for Rondo, and Rondo's not going to be what Ricky was, but Rondo will bring the same elements. The unbelievable thing about the team is that you can play Kevin Love and a veteran off the bench, and they need Jetty back. I can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> but they need his points. They I need can't his believe points. it either. <laughs> but that's, that's how good this season is going. Like, you know, like, like they have built something and they've done it quietly. And because J.B. Bickerstaff has a respect of Kevin Love to come off the bench and not complain and use him for only 20, 25 minutes, which is best for him right now, you get Rondo to come off the bench. I mean, you could tell last night just getting Garland back. They're, when Garland, Garland is that good. Mobley is that good. Jared Allen is that good. That They just need the other pieces to fit around it. I think Rondo will give him enough in intelligence and being able to get him in the right sets to let Garland be off the ball. At the end of the day, after the end of this road trip they're on, Kobe Altman is going to have to make one more move. He's going to have to – because Isaac Okoro I like defensively, but off, he's just had one of those careers that's just every time he gets a rhythm, something happens. They need a, they need a, a, a score, another score at the, at, at the wing spot. And um, – they're going to be, they're just going to, they're at the best part of sports. The, there's no expectations, right? Right. So and it's just last. fun. So you got to enjoy the hell out of it. Yes. And they're and, the, and I've said it to you before and I'll keep saying it. They're at the most beautiful part of winning and, and, and growing because there's no, there's no eyes yet. There's nobody worried about money yet. There's no AAU, AAU type stuff to this. So that's why instantly I'm like, they're not trading for Ben Simmons. He doesn't fit. He doesn't fit the genre. Here's here. I can tell you that this is why I think Rondo will work. And I, I have, and I've said this from the very beginning when we were in Minnesota, um, uh, Patrick Beverly plays for the Timberwolves. Right. So I, so after like, and you know, the best conversations with coaches, managers, anything else, as soon as they're, you know, the press conference is over. So it was pregame and we got done with pregame and I had to do something else with JB and I said to him, like, kind of like nonchalant, I was like, I was going to ask you about um, Patrick Beverly covering Darius Garland, but I didn't want to do it on the record because I didn't want you to cuss. And he chuckled. He was like, Dre, I actually love Patrick Beverly. He's one of my favorite guys. He goes, every team needs a guy like that on his squad. And I remember the way he said that. And then I remember JB and, and Patrick Beverly telling each other to fuck off during the game. <laughs> <laughs> But as I saw him and Patrick Beverly mouthing things to each other and going back and forth, I knew in the back of my mind, JB loves having a competitor like that on his team. You know, because the first thing everybody says about, you know, Rondo, oh, he's an asshole. Oh, he hates the media. Oh, he can be, you know, but every teammate loves him, right? That's so I don't worry about him fitting in. They're only bringing in guys that JB can compete with and win with. He's going to fit what they're doing and he'll fit in that, he'll fit in the role that they had to answer your question full circle. I think he'll, he won't give them the points, but everything else they got from Ricky, they'll get from Rondo. Well, yeah, I mean, he's not a tenth of the shooter, but in terms of intangibles, sure. And, and look, like, to everyone saying the Cavs are just fun, don't make a big move, let's enjoy this, you're right. But as Dre just kind of outlined without saying, in six months or eight months or 12 months, you're saying, well, we should have made some moves. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. the stakes change. Right. Well, we talk and about that, windows. We talk listen, about windows. That's just the reality of pro sports. The two things we've talked about here. Here's where they intersect. At every opportunity, 
you get to really assess your team in a window's coming up, which would be the NBA trade deadline in a month or so, it's that. And the goal is ultimately to win a championship. So you all have to be thinking big picture all the time. You you can and should and need to for everyone's health enjoy the good times and the the wins and the honeymoon period as we're mentioning here. But when you get to a point where the path you're on is not headed towards championship or not being good enough, it is people in that organization's job to always be thinking not a move or two ahead, not just those things, but a year or two ahead, right? Absolutely. You chase that. And so, of course, the Cavs have to take a look at, at every avenue. Um, you know, I, I don't know what, what what's out there or or how real Ben Simmons or, or LeBron James or anyone else is, right? But it's their job to look at it. Yeah, for sure. It's a no. And I think that, and they, ha- and like the funny thing is, in a weird way for a young team that has so much success, right? And you would think, oh, they got all this cap room. But because of Kevin Love and Ricky Rubio's contracts, it's not as easy as yeah. you think. You know what I mean? Like they've, they're paying those guys like 50 million. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's difficult. Um, but it's funny. It is fun. It's like the fun said, that especially we now to. that we're winding to a less crazy point and, my, like, it's destination to watch the Cavs. It's not, oh, I just flipped through and the Cavs play tonight? Because that's what it was for four years. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And, it was, Absolutely. and a lot of times it was keep on flipping. It's, okay, the Cavs play tomorrow at 7, and I'm going to watch that. Right. I, we're going to get pizza. Know, we're going to get pizza and be ready to go at 7 o'clock oh, and watch. Pizza. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, one thing I want to say, um, shout out to us. We won our Fantasy Football League Championship, the Galley Boys. Galley Boys. Yeah, and I gotta seven. say something. Our other team had, <laughs> and I, I just gotta say this because this is yeah. unbelievable to me. Because then we'll get back to Galley Boys. Our other team had Cooper Cup, Jonathan Taylor, um, Debo Samuel, Patrick Mahomes. We didn't win a lot. We scored a lot of points. It just wasn't our year. I, I like I said, I give you GM of the year because you put together to get all the guys together like that, and then to win the other one. You were on your you were on your game this last <laughs> August. <laughs> it's just it's such a dumb game. It's fun, and I and I hope you guys play for not too much money and not too much stress. But it's fun, and like when we realized we were going to make the playoffs, and that I just said, well, we can probably win the first round, and we can make it uncomfortable for everybody else. And we made it uncomfortable because we got the championship. So. Yep. Um, we'll victory lap the shit out of it. Absolutely. Speaking of victory laps, um, and we will have him on eventually. Doug Deacon, yes. our friend, Cleveland Browns legend. Um, after 50 years with the organization, player, broadcaster, ambassador, this is it. Um, he's retiring. Sunday will be his last call. The last Doug Deacon groans on a Brown screw up. Uh, <laughs> will come on your airwaves on s- Sunday afternoon. It's time. He's had an incredible run. Um, the Browns should be thankful as hell that they've had him through all these times because he's just such a beloved person in the NFL community, in the Cleveland community. And we've told stories. Um, we've tweeted things he said to us. Oh, my God. Uh, I promise he doesn't just tell me fat jokes, but the only <laughs> ones that make it to social media <laughs> are to protect Deke more than anything yes. else. <laughs> yes. Spencer still texts me, you, you, like, be careful. <laughs> yeah. He tells me he had to quit watching Andre on TV because he couldn't tell the difference between him and Jose Ramirez. Like, <laughs> 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 you know, um, he's he's blunt. He's hilarious. And, and like I said, like, he's a broadcaster, obviously. Uh, but to me, it's just he, he is – 
that organization and not just the actual history with the split, but navigating the Rocky history of the new, because I mean, this is a guy that knows or has known everyone that yes. played in the seventies. Right. And has been with the team ever since. Um, in his phone is the phone number of any Cleveland Browns player you could think of. Right. right? Um, any person in the NFL in, in, in media in operations in coaching in anything is there's Deke and um, he's just awesome. So again, I know you he's guys are going to hold us to it and we're going to do it yeah. post retirement will be the proper time. We're going we're to sit down in person with Deke and we're going to have him on, but we, we certainly need to acknowledge that. And I don't know how far this tribute will go or, or not go right now, Yeah, but um, it's the, you know, look, the Browns are done for the season. Baker's done for the season. We got all, you know, nothing's going to change a week or a month from now in analyzing what's next. But this week he he can be, or he should be, he will be, he is being celebrated, and he deserves every ounce of it. Yes, he does. Um, I said this to someone else, and I mean this, for all the jokes and for all the things he says about Zach and I and the, and the texts that we both get from him or the conversations we have with him, the thing that, that stands out to me, because – because he's Doug Deacon and because of the connection he has, because uh, he is, he, 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 like you said, he puts every Brown story together. Like, and I watched how he dealt with certain, I've just watched how he's dealt with people. He could be a total nose in the air. He could be a total jerk. He could totally be, I'm Doug Deacon. I don't have to spend any time. Or I don't have to waste any time with you. And he's never been that. He's the nicest guy in the world to everybody. Um, he's everyone's best friend. Uh, he's taught me how, and sometimes you guys probably don't believe this, but he's taught me how to, to deal with people you don't like, to kill them with kindness. I've said this before, and, and I'll continue to say this. I wouldn't be half the, the sideline reporter that I am without watching Deke show up to every practice, to every open locker room, walking around every open locker room, talking to the same guys every single day. And I know Aaron Shea and I talked about this, that that's the special thing about Deke. And because I've done this in different places and, and, and I've done it with different sports, um, every former player isn't like that. Some former players are so full of themselves that they played and they know it all. They never go to the locker room. They never go to the clubhouse. They barely know the guys. I give Deke credit that he respects the backup left tackle today, more than Baker Mayfield, of course. But he respects you know, the 53rd guy on the roster today, just like he respected the 53-man guy on the roster in 1980 when he played oh. um, and has the same type of conversations with him. And that's a quality that we don't get a lot of anymore, Zach. Um, the dude is, is as pure as they come. I wish you would have seen more wins because he deserved it. I hate that, but I love that for some, it's just we think of him groaning. Um, and I will say, he's, uh, he's, way, like, he's, he's smart as a fox. I'll just leave it at that. He's as smart as he's one of the smartest guys I've ever been around. Um, and we're going to miss, I mean, yes, it is time, but this has been a hell of a year to losing voices locally that just, you know, our time, the time scale is changing, right? You know, like you got different people retiring, people have passed away. Um, so let's, let's, let's enjoy Deke's last game. I know it's going to be emotional for Jimmy because they've been like, they're like, like, I don't know, Zach and I have probably told you guys stories of, of riding in a car with them when we, we were doing Browns games. It was like riding with our parents. You know, Jimmy doing play-by-play of 14 different games while Deke groans and <laughs> makes fun of me being short and fat. <laughs> yep. Begging Jimmy to pull over so we can steal some beer and, and drink some beer, but he wouldn't let us. I mean, he's the, he, is the, he is the uncle that we never had, but we all needed. 
arrive in Baltimore, you know, via the team charter and police escort, charter bus, all that, arrive in Baltimore at 4.30, and then we're all going to dinner at 7. Well, Jimmy is sprinting to the room to cram that depth chart one more time and know the pronunciation of the third string fullback on the other team's name, right? He's got to know the other team's backup linebacker, where he went to school, how he was acquired, and as he played the Browns before. Well, Deke's going to the hotel bar. (laughs) Straight to it. (laughs) Straight to it. But so when the the announcement came out yesterday, I I just typed in Deke in a Twitter search, you know, with my name because I'd shared some things. And it's usually, you know, him calling me fat or saying he wouldn't run me over because it would damage his car or things like that. But there was one, and I remembered it when I put it. It was the draft, and we there's always a different kind of media room set up for the draft because, um, you, you know, they feed you, and, and there's live hits from NFL Network and from whatever. And so I remember walking by, and Deke was done with his dinner, and as I walked by, he handed me his plate to throw away. <laughs> and we just kind of looked, and there were, you know, normally it would just be he and I, but it was so packed, there was eight or ten people watching this. And he didn't have to say, throw it away. He didn't, whatever. He just grabbed to me and he said, the more you can do, the more valuable you are, bitch boy. <laughs> <laughs> and so I took his plate and I threw it away. Right. <laughs> right? Uh, uh, and he says it so flippantly. It's so perfect. Like his deadpan is so good. And like you, li- and you literally are just like, okay. Like you just do it. And you're like, wait yeah. a minute. Like I, I remember one of the Browns backers banquets at Tangier in Akron and it was Frank Stams on the podium. And like, Deke came up and Frank is an Akron guy and an Akron legend and Deke came up and he gave one of his lines that he's used a hundred times before about, you know, about Frank. And then he just looked at Frank and he shot off like seven more things. Oh, right. Yes, yes. And he said, you know, it was hard to judge concussion protocol would have never done the job because Frank was too stupid to start with. <laughs> <laughs> And he just, he'd give that half grin for half a second, and he'd be on to the next show. Yeah, and he would just keep going. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are times where he starts on me, and like I don't even fight back; I just let him go. Mm-hmm. You know, like I just like um, he's he's a legend. He's he, there's not many people you can call legends, but he is a legend. And there, you know, there's no other way around it. If you've met him, if you know him, you know how special he is. Uh, so go win the last game for him, please, and, and let him enjoy that game. I, and this is, and I think I've told this before, but this is the one thing on the plane that always blew me away. Zach is 100% right. No matter where we landed, no matter what, what game was going on, um, when we landed, everybody else had plans to go out to dinner, to do certain things. Deke just went straight to the hotel bar and was there all night. And uh, held court. And, and- held court all night. Um, he would see us he would see us on the way out he would see us on the way in most times (laughs) yeah and so when we would fly you know obviously the players would sit in one section and the coaches would sit in one section and the execs would sit in one section and we'd be with the plebes and there'd be a few people that would stop by and say hello but we would mostly mingle with the other non-football staff right well everyone on that plane would come and talk to deke right yes equipment guys medical guys when they bring sponsors along, they'd be in awe. It was it's that's Doug Deacon, right? Right, right. And that's one of my my favorite stories. Um, a few years ago, I drove my friends to the game, and it it works out perfect when we do this because they come and tailgate, and I have the, the good parking pass, and right. Um, they hang out after the game until they fall asleep, and I drive them home, and it's win win, right? right? <laughs> you better step down for a long time. So, <laughs> yes, I sure. Have. <laughs> so. 
and they thought that it was cool that they would talk to Deke. And uh, on a couple of occasions, they would drink post-game beers with Deke while, while the traffic cleared out. Um, but this one day in particular, I forget. I, I think maybe we were earlier than normal. Well, I hopped back in the car to change into my clothes I had to wear into the game. So as I'm coming out, kind of the backside, Deke's, Deke's walking from the other side, and he sees them. And he, he doesn't know their names, but he, he knows them as my friends because we do this two right. or three times a year. Right. And he sees me come out the other side there um, as I come and, and, and they get to, you know, one of them gets ready to say, hello, Mr. Deacon. And before I can do it, Deke goes, hey, it's four gas bags in a dirt bag. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, hey, Deke, how are you? He's like, good. How are you? <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's like, all right, which one of you guys give me a beer so I can smoke my Swisher Sweet? <laughs> and I can make more fun. But I got to say this part. Because this part blew me away. For every all the jokes we can make and the beer jokes and everything else, I'll never forget, and I blurted it out right in front of me because it's just this is the idiot that I am. We're on the plane. This is like the second or third flight. I'm, I'm on the Browns plane. And we take off, and it was another Browns loss. And, you know, Jimmy hates flying. Uh, you and I are pr- trying to, like, not be seen <laughs> at this point right. in time. Cause, and I look over. And Deke has a notepad out, and he's writing notes. And I mean, like, writing serious notes out and highlighting and everything else. And I just blurt out, you actually know how to write and read? (laughs) (laughs) And he just gave me the figure and kept going. Like, he actually took notes. And that was was back when they used to let him do the open, when you had the – the uh, time in St. Louis where he called me out for the McDonald's. Yes. And the Arches. But he, like, he did work. He works. Like, and he taught me, like, you can have fun, but you got to work at this game and you got to be prepared. And he showed me that right away. And I'll never forget going, holy shit, he actually takes notes. Yeah. No, um, you know, to, to be around that long and put in the work that it requires and, and more, as you mentioned, to come to the open locker rooms and develop those relationships, that doesn't just happen, right? Uh, right. It takes years and years. It takes a lot of, especially with as much change. I mean, he's right. the he's not just the constant in being there, but people respected him. They, they went to meet him and to know him. And he de- didn't accidentally develop relationships with everybody from Aaron Shea to Joe Thomas. You know, right. he, he worked on those things and, and he saw it all and he saw it from a different perspective. And, um, you know, 50 years is, is a long time and deserved retirement. Um, if you ever, ever, ever are in a position to go to somewhere where Deke is keynote speaker or introducing someone or roasting someone, or maybe just sitting there having a couple of Mai Tais, uh, I would encourage you to do it because he's truly, truly one of a kind. He's a comedy gem. He's a football gem. Um, and he's a genuinely good dude. And if he likes you, he'll rip the shit out of you. And uh, he, he <laughs> likes to rip on us. We're easy targets, but he likes We are easy targets. And uh, I'm almost afraid to put him on the podcast because I just know it's going to be a shit on you and I hour fest, <laughs> which will be fine, <laughs> which will be fine. He's a legend. He is a legend. And we're, well, it'll we're, probably be more like we all just drink and then we decide that we shouldn't make it to air. So we go back two days later and record another hungover. Right. You're probably right. <laughs> You're probably right. Um, <laughs> let me ask you this, because I, I have some answers, but I'm going to ask you this, and uh, we will do more on Deke. Your thoughts on this 17-game season, because we made a big deal about it, and now we're in that 18th week. Um, I have my own thoughts, but I'm curious what yours are. Yeah, does anybody – I mean, and I know COVID played a part, but does anybody think the product has been good? Right? 
like yeah i don't i don't like it i, I didn't like it the browns aren't the only team limping to the finish not having a bye week until december that's just wrong it just is um they needed to add a second bye week to do it right Dre. It, yeah. it's the same thing that in a in a way that baseball and basketball fight how do we make the games count right right, right. um how do we get our best product out there instead of just putting it out there on Thursday night and uh, Thursday night football is bad and the players are beat up. Not just miles Garrett, not just Nick Chubb, cream hunt, all of them. So, you know, next, next week will be the first time with this new format. It'll be two wild card games, Saturday, three on Sunday and one on Monday night. Look forward and, to that. Uh, I don't necessarily like that either. Um, We'll see. I know a lot of people don't like the Sunday night and the Monday night. Some people do. It's what's best for TV, so the league's going to do it. You know, we will see what happens if you get in a situation where there's a Monday night game and it affects the, that team the following Sunday. Um, you know, I would think it will be <clears throat> Dallas Cowboys playing on Monday night, but Ooh. everything's so jumbled in both conferences. Nobody, yeah. really, nobody really knows, um, you know, how that's going to go. But I, I, I don't like it, and I just think – I understand why they did it, and it will continue, but I just think they failed in not adding that second bye week. Yeah, we, I think we thought that the whole time, right? I think that's what you said doesn't – that doesn't surprise me. I think we felt that way in September, and we're going to feel that way until they do it. Um, we're in a weird state of, of, of things sports-wise because basketball's doing this too. They're charging everybody, you know, all-star prices, and we're not always getting all-star games. We're getting a lot of, uh, you know – 70th guy on the, on the team playing 50 snaps. Right. Um, you're getting a lot of G League players playing in basketball games. You're learning guys, you know, names. Guys are just signing on day of games and showing up in both sports. Obviously, that has something to do with COVID and just where we're at in our, our world. And, like, the Monday night game the Saints had a couple weeks ago. Like, there was no re- – they shouldn't have been playing. Like, they had, like, 25 guys on the list. But because it was Monday night, the NFL made them play the game because there was no game. To, like, it, I just – the logistics stuck, Right. Um, and I think this is going to be one of the weirder playoffs, and I hope it's a good playoffs because if you remember, the season started with some of the most – we had some entertaining games for about six weeks. Remember, like it was for the first five, six weeks of the season, this season it was in every national, you know, every nationally televised game was just down to the wire, and that juice has run out. Now, injuries are always a part of football. Every year in September, we're like, man, the injuries – but it seemed different this season, right? And it's just – but when I, look at the, when I look at the standings right now, when I look at the AFC East, Bills 10-6, Patriots 10-6, Dolphins 8-8, eight eight, Jets 4-12. and 12. Pretty close to what we probably thought it was going to be, right? Yeah, no doubt. You know, no like doubt. when I go through the divisions – well, I, I think Buffalo is probably a little disappointing, but yeah. For sure, for sure. Buffalo definitely disappointing. And New England, a little. It's surprising that they have ten wins, but not surprising because right. of who it's they both, be, both are true. Yes, you know, and Miami being eight and eight, didn't they? Won, they won like what seven in a row. They are six in a row to get there, which they play. You know, they had Jets twice in there. Uh, I'll skip the AFC North, but I just want to go through the divisions quickly. Like Tennessee being eleven and five, and probably the number one seed. A little surprising, but not when you consider Houston and Jacksonville are in their division, and that's four of their games. But they are a tough team, right? Well, this is part of the the frustration with the Browns is not only did the AFC North become a demolition derby, but yes. Mahomes slumped this year, right? Correct. It was as wide open as can be. 
You are correct. And it and is. What I was it remains as wide open as can be. If the Bengals get to the AFC Championship game, I will not be surprised. If the Bengals lose by two touchdowns next week, I will not be surprised. <laughs> Me <right>? either. <laughs> so, Get on. I'm not betting Cincinnati because they could put up 50 or they could get they could, like, they could get beat by 50. Either one wouldn't surprise me. Um, you're right. The AFC West is the one that makes you scratch your head, right? Because even Denver, who's terrible, is 7-9. and nine. You know, Vegas, who we saw, it's terrible. They're nine and seven. The Chargers, who look like world beaters, are nine and seven. Mm-hmm. You know, and Kansas City's 11 and five. So that division is goofy to me because it's just goofy. And it plays off. And that's the frustration. You, and Zach said it. That should be your frustration as a Browns fan. This is the year you could just snuck in and, and stole from somebody because there's no true big dog. Even in the NFC, I look at and I'll go quickly. The NFC East. Dallas is eleven and five, but it's the softest eleven and five I've seen in, in years. Yeah, I mean they they looked like shit on Sunday. I watched the whole game. They looked yeah. like shit. Yes. Yeah, but and that's like been the last month and a half for them. You know, every other week they play good. Green Bay Packers are thirteen and three. Were you overly impressed on Christmas Day of the, who the Green Bay Packers are? Um, not no, and I think it, you know the right team. It come always comes down to matchups. A team that can run on them, but they still got twelve. Man, he's pretty good. No doubt. No doubt. Um, Tampa's 12 and four, the saints eight and eight. The NFC West is interesting. What the Rams have done over the last month is pretty impressive. Uh, and that San Fran has bounced back is pretty impressive too, but other, so I guess what I'm getting at 17 game season, not many surprises, but more reason why I think the next couple of months in Cleveland and in Berea are going to be very interesting because there's a lot of teams that have just as many issues as you did that overcome overcame them. Why couldn't you? is what the question has to be asked to Kevin Stefanski and crew. Yeah, no, uh, every, every level of this thing was disappointing except for the way the defense finished. Right. right. And even right. then you got guys that like need to play better. John Johnson needs to play better. He needs yeah. to not tweet, run the damn ball during the game, even though he's exactly right. Right. And he needs to play better. And like Ronnie Harrison's going free agent. He's a starting quality player. He hasn't been able to stay healthy for two years. John Johnson's finishing the year hurt. Denzel's going to finish the year hurt. Greedy's going to finish the year hurt. I know. Like, I know. You know, look, look um, momentum does not really carry over. Players no. carry over, right? No. Teams change. The most important thing of the offseason, I always say, is not freaking OTAs. It's not what happens this week. It's, it's about what you do to get better players in there and then get them ready. So yep. the Browns still sit in a good position. The Browns still have a really good core. Um, if the Browns are going to win a Super Bowl, it's not going to be with this quarterback. I think the Amen. GM knew that before the season. We certainly knew it before the season. It is so clear now, right? And you ha- you are making so many excuses if you even begin to argue that. So not to say that there's an ideal situation or an instant replacement that's easily gettable and a clear upgrade, right? Yeah. Um, but you have to shift. You- you're only going to have Miles Garrett and Nick Chubb for so much longer. Right, yes, sir. Um, you're probably going to lock up Denzel Ward, and you know, and have him. But are you going to bring Clowney back? You know, um, you you did lock up your guards, but Joel's going to be 31. What are you going to do with yeah. your 31-year-old center? Right. Yeah. Um, well, what happens? Move if, on from this. It's a tackle spots. The two guys who solidified things two years ago. Wills has had beyond a shitty year, and Conklin's got major injuries and was under contract for one more year. And his replacement is James Hudson, who probably hasn't come out of his room all week. <laughs> well, his quarterback threw him under the bus. Yeah, now, Baker did say, I'm um, being clear that it wasn't James. I mean, he was throwing 
the, yeah. the coach under the bus, but no doubt. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's a tough but, spot for a rookie who's okay. always was yes. a developmental press. Right. But as a father and as a dad who's learning myself, I have to be careful with my words that I say to my kids because they pick up on everything you say and they usually don't read it the way you're saying it because you flippantly say something. Like if I say what's wrong with you to my kids instantly, like it's like my wife has to tell me now they think something's wrong with them. And I'm like, well, it is, but <laughs> is there short reality, or spoiled? <laughs> but in reality, I need to say, what is bothering you? What is the problem? Right. When you sure. say the wrong things and you, and you formulate your mouth to say something and you let people run with it, it's the wrong thing to say. Right. So whether you're calling out the coach or not, this is why he's got to go. Yeah. Like I listened to the radio for 15 minutes on Monday or Tuesday morning. All I listened to was your interview with, with uh, Raj and, and Ken Carmen. And when you said before it even came out, that's the last time we're going to see him this year. That's the last time we're going to see him as a Browns quarterback. I said, amen. And I stopped listening to all this stuff that, that that's been put out there. No offense to any radio host locally, but damn, y'all got to move on to something else. It, it's just this, this city we're better than this. Like God, I mean, it's all people were talking about, but it's like, if you can't see, and read between no matter I don't care how many six jerseys you bought. I don't care what has happened at this position previously for 20 some years. If you can't take your emotion out of it and look at all the little petty things that have happened throughout the season and throughout the year for this guy and not realize that he's not the best leader, the best part, part person for your team. Forget just like if he played like Aaron Rodgers, you deal with his headache. Great. Aaron Rodgers playing left-handed is better than him. You earn that. You earn that status, yes. and he hasn't yes. earned shit. No, and it, like it's a pain. He's a pain in the ass. His between his wife's tweets, between like and and, and the and, and I'll say this, and I was kind of saying it during the whole OB, the Odell thing. Odell is not perfect in any way, shape, shape, or form. But when a quarterback doesn't thrive with a better weapon, that tells you something about the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like Tom Brady is begging for a guy that has CT and I shouldn't, I don't even want to make fun of AB because AB does it well enough on his own. Tom Brady begs for that problem. Your quarterback pushes him out. Make it make sense. And he's thrived without knowing an offense and still being a jackass and making up dances. Like all of his, like he's still a jackass Odell, but his teammates love him right now. Cooper cup, still Cooper cup. I don't know how many other examples you need to see that this ain't it. And that guy's not it to understand like how it's looked at throughout the league. And Zach may know this better than I, the biggest problem the Browns have right now is not only the six have confidence in himself. I don't think the guys that play with them have it. There's a reason Jarvis has been hiding from us. No doubt. Cause what can he say? Sure. Right. What can you say? <laughs> And, and look, the, and the injury, and I'll say this is the last thing, the injury to Kareem Hunt, and there's many injuries that, that, that hurt him, but not having Kareem Hunt all year, right. That's how important he is in this offense. And, and the receiving core, that's the one thing I'll go back on. This isn't to put people's Jones down. The receiving core may be the biggest disappointment in football, considering what we thought of that core in August and what it's produced. And it's not all their fault, but they haven't been really good either. It's been very inconsistent. Um, the, I just can't believe the, the passing game is this bad overall, Zach. Is all it's week stuff. 18. There's one guy with 500 receiving yards on the whole Oof. team. Oof. People's challenge. And, and, the, and the whole still not being on the on – the, like in the – you know, I'm sick of hearing about not being on the same page on patterns and stuff like that. Dude, like that's, that doesn't – that's not supposed to happen in, in December. 
That's an August problem. That's an issue. And like, that's right. an issue. That was Baker week Mayfield. three last year. Right. right. That's, that's a Baker Mayfield problem, but that's also a Stefanski problem. And, and I know a lot of times we don't get the total truth through the media. They know who did wrong and they don't want to throw anybody under the bus. But when you're still saying that in December, in September, like October, that's bad, man. That, that's frustrating for me. And, and I know they're covering for each other's ass. But this is the big leagues. This ain't, this ain't Manchester football. This ain't St. This ain't high school. Like, you're, you're supposed to know where you're supposed to be. The quarterback's supposed to read the same thing. And to not be able to do that, that, like, that is going, that's what's going backwards to me. And that's frustrating. I don't care who your quarterback or leader is. Right. All right. So I think it's Wednesday today. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's been weird. Um, yeah. We may or may not have another one. The game Sunday is meaningless, but, you know, an important offseason begins next week. The Cavs are playing meaningful games. Um, I don't know. Is, tra- is spring training going to start on time? I don't even know, bro. It was just time um, for me to come home and get ready for whatever. Yeah, amen. It's, it's, amen. It's, so sure. anyway, we, you know, we, we are going to be back on a normal routine. We appreciate your patience. We appreciate you guys asking. Um, we appreciate American Fireworks and Blue Wire for supporting us, uh, and we thank you for listening. So, um, hint, hint, stay tuned to The Athletic, and we will um, – Call Deke this afternoon, and it may not be next week, but sometime in January, we're going to sit down with Deke, and we're going to bring you guys what we've been promising for a long time. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. That's all I got. Anything from you? Konnichiwa, Deke. We love you. And John Tullidge, we love you too. Um, what a year. We're losing our voices. That means we got to stick around a little longer, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy us while we're here. It may not be long. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Peace.